Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast. It's Joe Marino and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Tuesday episode of the show. And we are brought to you by Bet Online, who would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, and they have a newly updated website. So sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 year. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. And bet online is where the game starts. Christopher Schubert, how are we doing today, my man? Doing fantastic. Had a super fun national championship game last night uh, that I think the world is still talking about with Georgia winning. We'll touch on that here on the show today. I'm in a fantastic mood. The Jets have been announced as one of the teams coaching the (laughs) Senior Bowl, so I'm in a fantastic mood. And uh, we're talking kind of like a mini rookie report card, but if everyone has seen on the site, we did awards for TDN. You and I both voted in these awards and we released both the rookies of the year on offense and defense, and we have our ballots, we have the results. We thought that'd be a fun little conversation because we've been talking about rookies all throughout the season. Joe, I'm doing wonderful here on a Tuesday. We have a lot to get to, man. Um, First of all, yes, I loved that announcement, and I had been talking about it for like two weeks. I'm like, we got to get Dan Campbell, and we got to get Robert Sala as the coaches for the Senior Bowl, and obviously Dan Campbell speaks for himself. How fun Zach guy going to be when we're down in Mobile and excited to – have some opportunities to interact with that staff, but also all gas, no break, baby. Let's go. Robert Sala and go. company. I think, um, I think he's going to be awesome for that event. And so um, for everybody, for the players, for us, for fans, it's going to be a heck of a week. And um, I think it, it really makes a lot of sense because both of these teams, the Jets and the Lions, like outside of the fact that, they have high picks. They also have a lot of picks. Like there's a lot of volume between these two teams. I mean, um, so good opportunity for those clubs to get a chance to look at these players up close and personal. Yeah, didn't I didn't know necessarily what the rules were, but I assumed that based on what everyone told me that if you are a team that's bringing in a brand new coaching staff, you're not eligible you're to, out. to go. Yep. And so Jacksonville, because they moved on from Urban Meyer, they were not eligible. So it was down between the between the Jets and the Texans, and those two teams are tied. Now the Texans pick in front of the Jets, so I I don't understand what ultimately led to the Jets being the team that got selected, um, but. No complaints here. I'm wearing my Jets hoodie today. I'm extremely happy. It's my first senior bowl that I will be going to, uh, and I get to see uh, my coach and his coaching staff out there coaching these players up, and this will be his second trip. Uh, Remember, Salo went with the 49ers back in the year before they went to the Super Bowl, and you can bet yourself that Jets Twitter is already making that uh, comparison that the last time Salah was there, his team went to the Super Bowl the next oh, season. Uh, okay. So I, I'm put not it, going there, but put it down. Put it down. Saying that Sharpie. Um, but look, I think it's just it's a great experience for these two young coaching staffs to be able to coach these players up because they have all of these picks. It is a great one-on-one experience that they have with these players. So it's going to be uh, a lot of fun, and I'm obviously very excited. 
we didn't talk about this, but I feel terrible. And some people have hit me up that we did not mention Vic Fangio in the firing yesterday with the, uh, sorry, the Broncos. sorry. Yeah. Um, it, that was not intentional. I think we were just trying to work through it and we, we stuff happens. And, and so yeah. let's do share a few thoughts on, on that situation. And, you know, one thing, if you go back and look at the history of the Denver Broncos, they win. The Denver Broncos win. And I think they just recently had like their first ever consecutive losing seasons. And so the the results just haven't been there for the team lately. And we can debate, you know, Vic Fangio, if he was a worthy hire to begin with, and maybe this was always kind of the, the plan that you thought. And certainly – uh, he had the defense figured out, and, and like a lot of defensive coaches, if they don't get the right offensive coordinator and the right quarterback, you know they have short lives, uh, and that's the case here. But the, kind of what we talked about with this team going into the season is like they didn't grow from year one to year two, right? They were seven to nine to five and eleven. They were worst football team year two after year one, and then they you just kind of see that it's kind of stale, and I think it goes back to the quarterback spot. And that's unfortunate for Fangio, but the decision that he made in the uh, was it the Saturday night Saturday night game against Kansas City to um, to kick right down twenty eight twenty one with four minutes and change to go in a game that does not matter for your season, right? right? Nothing is on the line on your end. You decide to kick a field goal, which still puts you down a touchdown. And if you're able to actually, if you're actually able to stop the Kansas City Chiefs uh, and get the ball back, you then still have to go down the field and score a yeah. touchdown. Didn't make sense at the time. I was flabbergasted by it. Um, I don't know if that's what did him no, in. No, 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 it um, doesn't. Yeah, that's not what fired Vic Fangio. But, but my question here for you, Joe, is this, and I'm all for covering your bases and, and interviewing and, and, and exploring all the potential candidates out there. But do we think that the reason Vic, Fan- and we don't know we're not in the room, but do we think the reason Vic Fangio got let go in Denver was because he lost that room and couldn't be the leader that that team needed? Or it was, be- or was it more because the product on the field didn't necessarily live up to expectations that they didn't perform well and people thought this team should be competing and they weren't? And that's in large part due to the quarterback. Which of those two buckets and camps would you put yourself in? I kind of always respected Vic Fangio as a leader. You know, I, I love the way he talks, the way he interacts. And so I th- you you got the hands up. What do you get? So, you- no, th- th- I, I agree with you. And that's what I, you're, you're feeding it to the point that I'm going to make yeah. here because they're interviewing Patriots linebacker coach Gerard Mayo. There mm-hmm. was a rumor that they were going to interview the Cowboys defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. If you're just going to then stick with a defensive minded coach, then why wouldn't you have just stayed with Fangio another year and give him an opportunity to actually get a quarterback? Right. I don't if you needed a new message, if you needed a new voice in the room, fine. Then you move on from Fangio whatsoever. But that doesn't feel like it was the case. That's that's the problem I have here. So if you're just going to end up going with another defensive minded coach, then why did you move on from Vic in the first place? Well, it's, the answer might be both. Right. You do need the new message and you also need um, to get the quarterback stuff right. I do want to clarify something because I don't want to f- feel like the back-to-back losing seasons is on Fangio, but when they lost, when they went five and 11 to six and 10 in 2017 to 2018 under Vance Joseph, it was the first time since 1971 to 72 that they had consecutive losing seasons. And so unfortunately that's continued. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that the last five years of Denver Broncos football are not normal. This is a franchise that wins. 
And unfortunately, Fangio continued that. And you have a new general manager who didn't get to pick the head coach, right? And I think that's yep. something that needs to always needs weird. To pl- yeah, that needs to play in as well. And he's probably wants to make his mark on this team and get that continuity. So I understand it'll be interesting to see um, who they go after and what they prioritize in their next head coach. But more importantly than the head coach, they got to get the quarterback situation right. Whether yep. that's trading for Aaron Rodgers, whether that's selecting somebody in the draft, they got to get that position right because really, since John Elway got there, Joe, and put his fingerprints on the, on that roster. They have not gotten that figured out. And so that's been the biggest cloud hanging over that organization. Uh, They need to figure that out in a hurry. Absolutely. And um, I think it's a good thing that George Payton's back. And and I loved Vic Fangio's parting statement that he released and really complimented Payton. And the good news there is that we, from a talent perspective, I think we collectively are very satisfied with this team outside of quarterback. And you don't have to change everything because you do at least have that general manager in place, get the right leader and get back to winning in Denver. Where do you want to go next? The national championship, Georgia Bulldogs. They did it. Kirby Smart gets uh, the monkey off his shoulder. 33-18 to 18 win over Alabama, who you could just tell the injuries were, were just too much for, for Alabama. Uh, yeah, Jamison the, Williams, when he went was, down, Josh oh, Joby man. not being available. Uh, couldn't convert in the red zone. Couldn't run the football. You know, I mean, turned it over. It, it's They had a losing script. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Joe, I, I, the first half game script for Alabama was extremely interesting to me because they didn't really run the ball as well or as effectively as I thought they could uh, with Brian Robertson. And they kind of steered away from it, right? They just kind of let Bryce throw the ball a lot um, in the first half of that football game. And then if you remember, they had to drive in the second half in which Robertson was gashing them, right? He was just yeah. cutting up and down the field. And they was like, okay, this is the Alabama that I'm used to seeing. This is the Alabama offense that I'm used to seeing. They just couldn't catch captures that magic enough they couldn't run the ball effectively that they forced Bryce to throw the ball step back and drop and listen credit to the Georgia defense they got pressure you know me mid-major Chris I'm all for you know more parity getting more teams in the mix here but you saw why those are the two best teams in the country the speed and athleticism that's on the field at all times on both sides of the ball is incredible credit to the Georgia defense I'd like to shout out a player that has nothing to do with draft dudes because he's not eligible to be drafted but holy smokes, watching Will Anderson play football is one of the best things you can do with your life. It is so much fun. This yeah. dude's all over the place. Yeah, he's. Uh, I saw a tweet last night that he's basically Micah Parsons, but at Alabama, the, the Cowboys version of Micah Parsons. And I mean, he's a special talent. Uh, it's going to be interesting, especially as he saw injuries happen to players this year. <laughs> does, he, does he does he do the Micah Parsons and sit out of season? Does he do the Jamar Chase and sit out of season, right? Yeah. Right, without the the whole COVID thing where you kind of got some grace for that. I mean, will he be the first guy that says, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I've, I've shown everything I need to. And especially as we think about some of the top rookies in the NFL this year, being guys that didn't play ball last year, whether it's Jamar Chase, Penny Sewell, uh, Micah Parsons, um, Rashawn Slater. I mean, a lot of really high-performing yeah. players. Uh, and the list goes certainly much deeper than that. I, we're not going to go through the whole thing right now. And I don't want to mention, like, overly talk about Greg Rousseau. He had a good rookie season. Only a one-year starter at Miami. Sat out 2020. You know what I mean? So, like, it's uh, the the evidence to point to, if you're Will Anderson, is, is certainly there. Now, it's, it's a case-by-case situation. Different people process things di- differently. I, I would want to play. Um, but I'm also not in a position where I could be the number one overall pick or, or a top three pick and make a gazillion dollars, right? I'm a guy that left four years of college eligibility on the table to go do some other stuff. Uh, so I, I might not be the most qualified person to say that, but um, I would understand it if he decided not to play. 
Yeah, and I, I just think, man, you saw the talent on the field in terms of guys that are going to get drafted and get their name called very early uh, come April. Um, I was watching Henry Toa out there making plays. Yeah. He was he was fun to watch. A couple times he's coming up on a blitz, Joe, and he he gets beat because a guy comes behind him because he's and then he's able to come up around and make the tackle. Just great athleticism, great speed, explosive. To be able to, yeah, yeah, just to be able to make some plays. Uh, and then Georgia, Nicobe Dean. Um, Jordan Davis, just all these guys, man. They're just they're so much fun to watch. Credit to Kirby Smart. Uh, he coached those guys up. They played extremely well. Uh, great vertical from Kirby on the on the celebration, Bro. on the on the interception. Can we get <laughs> a measurement on that, please? If you if you're gonna jump, make sure you tuck your knees. It's just gonna make you look like you're a lot higher up. But man, you get you gotta think just the raw emotion. I, I mean, all the stuff that we talk about with Kirby and, and Nick Saban and the psychological component, Kirby's aware of it and into um be relieved of that. I mean, that's got to be gratifying. That release just turns, uh, you know, a unathletic, middle-aged man into a a guy that can leap. <laughs> if you, so, uh, team stacked, man. Their their Quay Walker was unbelievable. Channing Tindall, their linebackers, Devonte Wyatt played a good game. Trayvon Walker. I mean, they're just a, a friggin' they, they, the trenches. And then George mm-hmm. Pickens, like the one catch that he made was unbelievable. Was it incredible? That was such a great catch, man. That was oh man, it was absurd. James Cook looks good. So hopefully, I don't. I haven't heard anything yet on James and Williams. So there was a po- did you see the post game thing where Saban and and um, Kirby met in the middle and they kind of talked and they and they talked about the 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 Jameson injury and S- Saban said to to Kirby, uh, we don't think it's the ACL. So I haven't heard anything okay, definitive, but the post game kind of I think indicated that it wasn't an ACL. And he was walking around a lot on yeah. it, like he was walking around the sidelines, which made me think it wasn't anything like an ACL. An MCL is six to eight weeks and ACL is nine to 12 months. So if those are two two things, right. Fingers crossed there for the MCL. Uh, Can we talk about these rookie of the year? Because we have voted on these and you felt very passionately in the pre-show about this. Well, what don't I feel passionately about Chris? (laughs) So can I set the stage for everybody for this? Please, yeah. So the the, the TDN staff, um, so the, the the content team, the, the staff team, the scouting team, myself, um, really anybody that wanted to vote got a vote for the TDN awards. And we voted on MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, Coach of the Year. Um, and we purposely omitted Offensive Player of the Year to make the MVP vote more interesting. And so I think what we'll do here on the show, Joe, is I know you did a vote, I had a vote, don't know if Kyle did a vote, but what we'll do here on the show is as these come out on the website, you can see all the results and the breakdown over at thedraftnetwork.com, we'll reveal our, our individual ballots on the show here. So today, the Rookie of the Year results dropped. And if you don't mind, Joe, I'll just read through the results and then we can discuss our individual ballots and what bothers us about this. Okay. Uh, no surprise, our... Uh, TDN Offensive Rookie of the Year was Jamar Chase. He did not, it was not a unanimous. He did not get every first place vote. Uh, There were 13 votes cast. He did not get all of them. Uh, So Jamar Chase won, Mac Jones two, Jalen Waddle three, Kyle Pitts four, Rashawn Slater five, Creed Humphrey six, Najee Harris seven, Elijah Mitchell eight, Javante Williams nine, Chuba Hubbard 10, Penny Sewell 11, Mitchell Williams and Hubbard all tied. Uh, They all each got a fourth place vote. Uh, uh, Joe, where do you want to start with this? I want to start by sharing my ballot. Okay. I mean, that's the, I'm one, I was one, 13 people wind up submitting if I'm not 13 mistaken. 13 votes. Yes. Yeah. So I'm one 13th. All right. Mm-hmm. So I agreed that Jamar Chase, number one, he was my yes. pick, but I then we also had to submit well. our top five. That's what we makes did. this interesting. Mm-hmm. So my number two, yes. And I am highly disappointed in our staff. 
was Creed Humphrey. I was the only person that put him two. Two people put him third. Two people put him fourth. The other nine people on our staff need to watch more football. That's me you're taking a shot at. You didn't have Creed Humphrey on. <laughs> we sat here for like most of the season. I know. We talked about rookies. Do you, want the, do you want the bad news or the good news? Because he didn't make my ballot at all. So, Okay. There's Is there good news? No, there's no good news. He just didn't make my ballot at all. Okay. So I have Creed Humphrey, Kansas City Chiefs, number two. Number okay. three was Jalen Waddell. Okay. Number four, Kyle Pitts, 1,000 yards as a rookie tight end. Okay. Obviously, Jalen Waddell set the uh, receptions record. Yeah. Number five, I have Mac Jones. Okay. So you so you didn't go full bore and have like three offensive linemen in there that I, no. I'm sure something. No. Okay. So that, that, I mean, I, underst- I could understand Rashawn Slater. I would understand Penny Sewell. They had great seasons. And I didn't have room for more offensive lineman because I picked the guy that I thought was the best offensive lineman for number two. Then I have a guy that set the receptions record, a thousand yard rookie tight end and a quarterback that played well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, yeah. I, I, those, those are going to bump those other two offensive linemen out in my mind. Uh, Jamar chase one for me. Okay. Um, no surprise there. I went Jalen Waddle too. Um, that was the, the, and you had him at three. So I think we're kind sure, of putting nothing to fight about point. there. Uh, I had Mac Jones three. I, I think, I, I think ultimately when you look at what Mac Jones was able to do as a rookie quarterback in a tough division to be able to get this team to the postseason. Again, it's not all because of him. They, they had a good defense and they had a good running game, but he played well and he didn't finish the season great, but he deserves some credit for the way that he played throughout the season to be able to get them to that point. So I voted him third. I this is, fit, so it's not that big of a deal. I have him this, on my ballot. This is where Joe and I are going to have some issues. I put Javante Williams fourth on my bat. And then I had Najee Harris fifth. I had two running backs to close it out. And I put Williams in front of Harris. Because I think when you look at what Javante Williams was able to do, almost have a 1,000-yard season as a rookie, while Melvin Gordon's also standing in the backfield, playing those teams in that division, I think some some respect needed to be put on Javante Williams' name. So I gave him a fourth-place vote. I like that. I don't know if we're get what awards we're getting to today and not or what we're going to get to in the future. But there were a couple of, of spots – for me, uh, coach of the year in particular and comeback player of the year where I gave, uh, I'm just putting, I, I know that there's other deserving ones, but like I got to go to bat for this guy. Right. And and I did that in coach of the year too. And 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 for me, that's putting Javante in front of Najee because statistically Najee had a better season. But I think Javante Williams, the season that he had, the context around that season, I think is important. And so I gave him, again, I voted him fourth. I didn't okay. vote him one. I put him fourth on our so, on, on my ballot. So you told us why you have Javante Williams and Najee Harris in. Let's go to the two players that I had that you didn't, mm-hmm. Creed Humphrey and Kyle Pitts. Yeah, so I had originally when I wrote this out, I had Kyle Pitts down. And I thought to myself, is the only reason I have Kyle Pitts down because he had a 1,000-yard season, right? And he would be sixth because he was fifth originally when I did this. I actually had Najee off, and I moved and I flipped those two and put him on. It's splitting hairs for me. If you wanted to say I'm I'm an idiot for leaving Kyle Pitts off, that's fine. I get it. I understand. Um, it, it's just I think the impact Najee had on his team was the bump for me between him and Kyle Pitts. The impact that Najee had on the ability of the Steelers to win football games on a regular basis, that's the difference. But Kyle Pitts had a fantastic season. I think what allowed me to put Pitts on there because it wasn't just a thousand yards. And let's be honest, he's kind of a slot receiver. So we, <laughs> we need to consider that. Um, to me, it was just the structure of that offense where who else did they have, Chris? Who else are you it's, concerned? You know, Russell fair. Gage, uh, Alameda Zacchaeus, 
you know, Cordero Patterson's kind of this like interchangeable slot running back type player, but for him to, and especially with that offensive line where they, I mean, Matt Ryan's the most hit quarterback in the league this year. Um, I always, I always have a lot of respect for the guys that, you know, the ball's going to them. There's nothing you can do. And, um, Kyle Pitts had some really special moments this year. And and if I were to, to talk against Najee, and I like Najee Harris, there was so much volume to his game. Like, like he, you know what I mean? And 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 honestly, that's what broke the tie by putting Javante in front of yeah, him, right? Which I respect that. that. It, there's a difference there, right? And and I think context matters. It's 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 one thing to just look at statistics and say, oh, Najee had a better season than Javante Williams, put yeah. him in front. And if you did that, I, I I could understand it. He was more productive, right? Right. Uh, but for for me, like you also have to understand, like Najee Harris didn't have Melvin Gordon stealing carries from him. Yeah. No, and, he didn't have anybody stealing carries. From and Javante Williams almost had a thousand yard season. Like yeah. like that's yeah. important. That's an important yeah. thing to note. Um. But yeah, no no issues with with the your ballot. Um, no issues with the way the voting turned out. Again, it's your it's your personal flavor on how you feel yeah, about I, these players. Do you have anything you want to say about? Did you give consideration to these offensive linemen because they I played, did? I mean, okay, I did, I did. And the the person I gave consideration to was Creed Humphrey. Right, that was the one guy that I thought had an, had a just a big impact. And again, Joe, I, I would ask you this. Right, it's really tough because I think what we see here in the voting is. It's hard to quantify the impact a player like Creed Humphrey can have, right? Everyone is so statistics driven and it's really tough to kind Mm -hmm. of evaluate that. So when you're doing this, when you're making the decision to put Creed Humphrey on your ballot, are you looking at stuff like some PFF numbers or is that is, is, does Creed Humphrey just pass the eye test? This guy was an important rookie. This guy had an impact. He's getting a vote. Big time, especially, I mean, how successful that offense was overall and how many new pieces they had on the offensive line. And let's face it, like blocking for a guy like Patrick Mahomes is not an easy task because you don't yeah. know where he's going to be. And so for him to perform at the level that he did under those circumstances, and it wasn't a detriment to that football team, to me that said so much. And that's why I was able to feel good about putting him number two. Um, and so I, I do think a lot about impact in, in my choices. Um, are we going to do I, I respect where you're going with that because I have a big talking point, but are we going to do MVP at some point? So as it comes out on the show, okay, we'll talk about it on on the website. We'll we'll mention it. On okay, the show. well, yes. I'll save my takes there um, because I I have something that feeds in well to kind of what you said there, uh, but we'll save it for the end. We don't know the results. Well, internally, we know the results. We do not know the the results have not been released to the public yet for okay. for all of these awards. I, we let's, know the results because they were shared with us yesterday, but we will share them with the world as they come. Let's out. do defense uh, then. Okay, um, Micah Parsons, the overwhelming uh, unanimous, all thirteen first place votes went to Micah Parsons. Uh, he is your defensive rookie of the year. Second was Patrick Sertan. Third was Javon Holland. Fourth was Odafe Owe. Fifth, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. And then sixth, you had Jalen Phillips. Seventh, Nick Bolton. Uh, eighth, Asante Samuel, Ernest Jones, Nate Hobbs, Christian Barrymore, Jamin Davis, and then Eric Stokes and Trayvon Moore both got one fifth place vote. I respect whoever put Christian Barrymore. He was the one guy. He was number five for me for so long, and then I made a last minute shift. So I, w- I want to find out who uh, who included him because I, I respect that vote. So we both had Micah Parsons first on our ballot because he was unanimous. He got all 13 first place votes, and I don't Correct. think that's a surprise, the impact that he had. Who did you put second, Judge? You put Javon, Holland. Tri- Javon Holland. Javon Holland. Yeah, he had, a, he had an unbelievable year, man. He like, did. Play, the, that defense changed when he became the primary safety back there. Like He made an impact not just like in coverage, the way he blitzed, the way he played against the run, the punt return stuff. I mean, like this guy was an animal. That defense changed 
when he stepped into the field. He was not my highest rated Miami Dolphin, so. Oh, you bought into the sack numbers of Jalen Phillips. Well, I also, listen, I had the ability, I watched Jalen Phillips, it was only one game in person, but passed the eye <laughs> test for me when I saw him play against Lamar Jackson. You know, he played, he played 16 other games. Um, number three for me was Patrick Sertain, the second out of Denver. Um, big part of that defense, or one of the best defenses in the NFL, which is not easy to do when you play the Chiefs twice and, and Justin Herbert twice in your yep. own division. So I have a lot of respect for the season he had. Good, good takeaway numbers. Uh, Nick Bolton, linebacker, from the Chiefs was my number four. Similar to Javon Holland, that defense became different when he became a bigger part of it, and, and I really respect the season he had. And then uh, the last guy, Trayvon Merrick, uh, safety for the Las Vegas Raiders, um, played a ton of snaps. Oh, you were the fifth place vote. Yeah, more people. I took Barmore out so that I can make a spot for Merrick because just an all-year starter, played a ton of snaps, and nobody looks at the Raiders – defense outside of their defensive end situation and says man look at this personnel look at these players you got a first year like a rookie not even like a hype like a first round pick that comes in and stabilizes your secondary playing it like in a variety of different spaces with like other rookies in the secondary with them journeyman at linebacker like no like no one tech I, I just I have so much respect for what Merrick was able to do in those circumstances and that defense was respectable this year. I when I I did a mock draft and this this kind of put me over the top. I did a mock draft this week and I'm like, all right, what statistic about the Raiders defense can I point to that's going to be like, boom, yeah, this gives me the the justification I'm looking for. And I couldn't find it, Chris. Like they were a very reasonable defense with a lot of like non-premium players that you would expect to be on that depth chart. That's fair. That's fair. Um my ballot was as follows. I had Michael Parsons one um, I had Patrick Sertan two. Okay. I had Jalen Phillips three. Like I mentioned, I flipped the two uh, Miami players. I had Odafe Owe four, and then I had Javon Holland five. Um, I think the two Miami players deserved to be on this list in some capacity if you wanted to flip them. Again, no complaints here, but I think the impact that both of those guys had to that defense, Joe, to your point about the impact that Holland had uh, when he kind of took over, but Jalen Phillips also wrecked some games with the ability, the way that he was able to play. Um, so I put both of them on my ballot, and then Odafe Owe had a great start to the season. Kind of tapered off a little bit late, but I thought deserved to be represented here on the list. I, I, thought, this, I thought this award, when I was looking at it, was going to be the award in which you were going to see some people get some shout outs because after Micah Parsons and Pat, yeah. Pat Sertan, it was kind of an open race. Right. You could have really put anybody three through five and felt pretty good about it. And so you, you, that's why you saw Ernest Jones get a third place vote. Asante Samuel get a third place vote. Um, Nick Bolton got some fourth and fifth place votes, as you mentioned, Joe. So I think this opened itself up after Micah Parsons and Pat Sertan to really kind of get some, give some love to some players who played really well this year. Um. Yeah, I, I love what you said there. I think that's what gets interesting to me. Like, we we don't need to spend any time talking about Micah Parsons. Everybody no. gets it. <laughs> to me, it's like, okay, who were your next few guys? And then who was that player that was your guy that you slammed the table for? And I think you kind of found that, and I did with Merrig. And, um, you know, we're certainly not going to do it, but I'd love to hear from everybody. Like, okay, why did you pick J Jamin Davis? Why did you pick Eric Stokes? Why did you pick Ernest Jones? Like, that, that that's what makes this fun, and that's why I'm glad we extended it to, uh, you know, f your top five. By the way, I, I should note, because I didn't note this earlier with Jamar Chase, the other first place vote went to Mac Jones from the TDN staff. Yeah. 
So it was 12 of the 13 for Jamar Chase. The one lone other first place vote went to to Mac Jones, who ended up finishing, I believe, second um, in the Rookie of the Year voting. So yeah, this will be fun. Uh, we're going to do this uh, each day. These are going to come out, and then I'm sure we can reveal our ballots here on the show. Um, MVP is a fun one. I'm excited for MVP because I'm going to make some people angry. I, I went. I went. Have hard you seen in the my paint. ballot? Have you seen my I ballot? I have not. I have not. I think we are going to have completely different ballots. So that'll be a fun conversation to, for us to have. Chris, I got a text message 15 minutes ago uh, from my brother. It says, the senior bowl coaches are the Jets and Lions. Bet Schubert's expited. He would be correct. You can text. <laughs> Sources close to the situation. Confirm. Can, I am excited. Can confirm. Can confirm that we'll be back again for you tomorrow with another episode of Draft Dudes. Kyle should be back. He had something pop up. We uh, said, hey, go handle that. We'll take care of the show. So we miss Kyle today. Looking forward to him being back tomorrow. Looking forward to you being back tomorrow. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, share, and subscribe to our podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and we look forward to catching up with you again on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.